Chapter twenty five of Cousin Betty by Honore de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter twenty five. At eleven o'clock, when the evening was at its gayest, for the room was full of company, Valerie drew Hector into a corner of her sofa my dear old boy said she your daughter is so annoyed at knowing that wenceslas comes here that she has left him planted hortense is wrong-headed ask wenceslas to show you the letter the little fool has written to him this division of two lovers of which i am reputed to be the cause may do me the greatest harm for this is how virtuous women undermine each other it is disgraceful to pose as a victim in order to cast the blame on a woman whose only crime is that she keeps a pleasant house if you love me you will clear my character by reconciling the sweet turtle-doves i do not in the least care about your son-in-law's visits you brought him here take him away again if you have any authority in your family it seems to me that you may very well insist on your wife's patching up this squabble tell the worthy old lady from me that if i am unjustly charged with having caused a young couple to quarrel with upsetting the unity of a family and annexing both the father and the son-in-law i will deserve my reputation by annoying them in my own way why here is lisbeth talking of throwing me over she prefers to stick to her family and i cannot blame her for it she will throw me over says she unless the young people make friends again a pretty state of things our expenses here will be troubled oh as for that said the baron on hearing of his daughter's strong measures i will have no nonsense of that kind very well said valerie and now for the next thing what about coquet's place that said hector looking away is more difficult not to say impossible impossible my dear hector said madame marneffe in the baron's ear but you do not know to what lengths marneffe will go i am completely in his power he is immoral for his own gratification like most men but he is excessively vindictive like all weak and impotent natures in the position to which you have reduced me i am in his power i am bound to be on terms with him for a few days and he is quite capable of refusing to leave my room any more hulot started with horror he would leave me alone on condition of being head clerk it is abominable but logical valerie do you love me in the state in which i am my dear the question is the meanest insult well then if i were to attempt merely to attempt to ask the prince for a place for marneffe i should be done for and marneffe would be turned out i thought that you and the prince were such intimate friends we are and he has amply proved it but my child there is authority above the marshals for instance the whole council of ministers with time and a little tacking we shall get there but to succeed i must wait till the moment when some service is required of me then i can say one good turn deserves another if i tell marneffe this tale my poor hector he will play us some mean trick you must tell him yourself that he has to wait i will not undertake to do so oh i know what my fate would be he knows how to punish me he will henceforth share my room do not forget to settle the twelve hundred francs a year on the little one 
hulot seeing his pleasures in danger took monsieur marneffe aside and for the first time derogated from the haughty tone he had always assumed towards him so greatly was he horrified by the thought of that half-dead creature in his pretty young wife's bedroom marneffe my dear fellow said he i have been talking of you to-day but you cannot be promoted to the first class just yet we must have time i will be monsieur le baron said marneffe shortly but my dear fellow i will be monsieur le baron marneffe coldly repeated looking alternately at the baron and at valerie you have placed my wife in a position that necessitates her making up her differences with me and i mean to keep her for my dear fellow she is a charming creature he added with crushing irony i am master here more than you are at the war office the baron felt one of those pangs of fury which have the effect in the heart of a fit of raging toothache and he could hardly conceal the tears in his eyes during this little scene valerie had been explaining marneffe's imaginary determination to montes and thus had rid herself of him for a time of her four adherents crevel alone was exempted from the rule crevel the master of the little bijou apartment and he displayed on his countenance an air of really insolent beatitude notwithstanding the wordless reproofs administered by valerie in frowns and meaning grimaces his triumphant paternity beamed in every feature when valerie was whispering a word of correction in his ear he snatched her hand and put in to-morrow my duchess you shall have your own little house the papers are to be signed to-morrow and the furniture said she with a smile i have a thousand shares in the versailles rive gauche railway i bought them at twenty-five and they will go up to three hundred in consequence of the amalgamation of the two lines which is a secret told to me you shall have furniture fit for a queen but then you will be mine alone henceforth yes burly mare said this middle-class madame de merteuil but behave yourself respect the future madame crevel my dear cousin lisbeth was saying to the baron i shall go to see adeline early to-morrow for as you must see i cannot with any decency remain here i will go and keep house for your brother the marshal i am going home this evening said hulot very well you will see me at breakfast to-morrow said lisbeth smiling she understood that her presence would be necessary at the family scene that would take place on the morrow and the very first thing in the morning she went to see victorin and to tell him that hortense and wenceslas had parted when the baron went home at half-past ten mariette and louise who had had a hard day were locking up the apartment hulot had not to ring very much put out at this compulsory virtue the husband went straight to his wife's room and through the half-open door he saw her kneeling before her crucifix absorbed in prayer in one of those attitudes which make the fortune of the painter or the sculptor who is so happy to invent and then to express them adeline carried away by her enthusiasm was praying aloud o oh god have mercy and enlighten him the baroness was praying for her hector at this sight so unlike what he had just left 
and on hearing this petition founded on the events of the day the baron heaved a sigh of deep emotion adeline looked round her face drowned in tears she was so convinced that her prayer had been heard that with one spring she threw her arms round hector with the impetuosity of happy affection adeline had given up all a wife's instincts sorrow had effaced even the memory of them no feeling survived in her but those of motherhood of the family honour and the pure attachment of a christian wife for a husband who has gone astray the saintly tenderness which survives all else in a woman's soul hector she said are you come back to us has god taken pity on our family dear adeline replied the baron coming in and seating his wife by his side on a couch you are the saintliest creature i ever knew i have long known myself to be unworthy of you you would have very little to do my dear said she holding hulot's hand and trembling so violently that it was as though she had a palsy very little to set things in order she dared not proceed she felt that every word would be a reproof and she did not wish to mar the happiness with which this meeting was inundating her soul it is hortense who has brought me here said hulot that child may do us far more harm by her hasty proceeding than my absurd passion for valerie has ever done but we will discuss this to-morrow morning hortense is asleep mariette tells me we will not disturb her yes said madame hulot suddenly plunged into the depths of grief she understood that the baron's return was prompted not so much by the wish to see his family as by some ulterior interest leave her in peace till to-morrow said the mother the poor child is in a deplorable condition she has been crying all day at nine the next morning the baron awaiting his daughter whom he had sent for was pacing the large deserted drawing-room trying to find arguments by which to conquer the most difficult form of obstinacy there is to deal with that of a young wife offended and implacable as blameless youth ever is in its ignorance of the disgraceful compromises of the world of its passions and interests here i am papa said hortense in a tremulous voice and looking pale from her miseries hulot sitting down took his daughter round the waist and drew her down to sit on his knee well my child said he kissing her forehead so there are troubles at home and you have been hasty and headstrong that is not like a well-bred child my hortense ought not to have taken such a decisive step as that of leaving her home and deserting her husband on her own account and without consulting her parents if my darling girl had come to see her kind and admirable mother she would not have given me this cruel pain i feel you do not know the world it is malignantly spiteful people will perhaps say that your husband sent you back to your parents children brought up as you were on your mother's lap remain artless maidenly passion like yours for wenceslas unfortunately makes no allowances it acts on every impulse the little heart is moved the head follows suit you would burn down paris to be revenged with no thought of the courts of justice when your old father tells you that you have outraged the proprieties you may take his word for it i say nothing of the cruel pain you have given me 
it is bitter i assure you for you to throw all the blame on a woman of whose heart you know nothing and whose hostility may become disastrous and you alas so full of guileless innocence and purity can have no suspicions but you may be vilified and slandered besides my darling pet you have taken a foolish jest too seriously i can assure you on my honour that your husband is blameless madame marneffe so far the baron artistically diplomatic had formulated his remonstrances very judiciously he had as may be observed worked up to the mention of this name with superior skill and yet hortense as she heard it winced as if stung to the quick listen to me i have had great experience and i have seen much he went on stopping his daughter's attempt to speak that lady is very cold to your husband yes you have been made the victim of a practical joke and i will prove it to you yesterday wenceslas was dining with her dining with her cried the young wife starting to her feet and looking at her father with horror in every feature yesterday after having had my letter oh great god why did i not take the veil rather than marry but now my life is not my own i have the child and she sobbed her weeping went to madame hulot's heart she came out of her room and ran to her daughter taking her in her arms and asking her those questions stupid with grief which first rose to her lips now we have tears said the baron to himself and all was going so well what is to be done with women who cry my child said the baroness listen to your father he loves us all come 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 hortense my dear little girl cry no more you make yourself too ugly said the baron now be a little reasonable go sensibly home and i promise you that wenceslas shall never set foot in that woman's house i ask you to make the sacrifice if it is a sacrifice to forgive the husband you love so small a fault i ask you for the sake of my gray hairs and of the love you owe your mother you do not want to blight my later years with bitterness and regret hortense fell at her father's feet like a crazed thing with the vehemence of despair her hair loosely pinned up fell about her and she held out her hands with an expression that painted her misery father she said ask my life take it if you will but at least take it pure and spotless and i will yield it up gladly do not ask me to die in dishonour and crime i am not at all like my husband i cannot swallow an outrage if i went back under my husband's roof i should be capable of smothering him in a fit of jealousy or of doing worse do not exact from me a thing that is beyond my powers do not have to mourn for me still living for the least that can befall me is to go mad i feel madness close upon me yesterday yesterday he could dine with that woman after having read my letter are other men made so my life i give you but do not let my death be ignominious his fault a small one when he has a child by that woman a child cried hulot starting back a step or two come this is really some fooling at this juncture victorin and lisbeth arrived and stood dumbfounded at the scene the daughter was prostrate at her father's feet 
the baroness speechless between her maternal feelings and her conjugal duty showed a harassed face bathed in tears lisbeth said the baron seizing his cousin by the hand and pointing to hortense you can help me here my poor child's brain is turned she believes that her wenceslas is madame marneffe's lover while all that valerie wanted was to have a group by him delilah cried the young wife the only thing he has done since our marriage the man would not work for me or for his son and he has worked with frenzy for that good-for-nothing creature oh father kill me outright for every word stabs like a knife lisbeth turned to the baroness and victorin pointing with a pitying shrug to the baron who could not see her listen to me said she to him i had no idea when you asked me to go to lodge over madame marneffe and keep house for her i had no idea of what she was but many things may be learned in three years that creature is a prostitute and one whose depravity can only be compared with that of her infamous and horrible husband you are the dupe my lord potboiler of those people you will be led further by them than you dream of i speak plainly for you are at the bottom of a pit the baroness and her daughter hearing lisbeth speak in this style cast adoring looks at her such as the devout cast at a madonna for having saved their life that horrible woman was bent on destroying your son-in-law's home to what end i know not my brain is not equal to seeing clearly into these dark intrigues perverse ignoble infamous your madame marneffe does not love your son-in-law but she will have him at her feet out of revenge i have just spoken to the wretched woman as she deserves she is a shameless courtesan i have told her that i am leaving her house that i would not have my honour smirched in that muck heap i owe myself to my family before all else i knew that hortense had left her husband so here i am your valerie whom you believe to be a saint is the cause of this miserable separation can i remain with such a woman our poor little hortense said she touching the baron's arm with peculiar meaning is perhaps the dupe of a wish of such women as these who to possess a toy would sacrifice a family i do not think wenceslas guilty but i think him weak and i cannot promise you that he will not yield to her refinements of temptation my mind is made up the woman is fatal to you she will bring you all to utter ruin i will not even seem to be concerned in the destruction of my own family after living there for three years solely to hinder it you are cheated baron say very positively that you will have nothing to say to the promotion of that dreadful marneffe and you will see then there is a fine rod in pickle for you in that case lisbeth lifted up hortense and kissed her enthusiastically my dear hortense stand firm she whispered the baroness embraced lisbeth with the vehemence of a woman who sees herself avenged the whole family stood in perfect silence round the father who had wit enough to know what the silence implied a storm of fury swept across his brow and face with evident signs the veins swelled his eyes were bloodshot his flesh showed patches of color adeline fell on her knees before him and seized his hands my dear forgive my dear you loathe me 
cried the baron the cry of his conscience for we all know the secret of our own wrongdoing we almost always ascribe to our victims the hateful feelings which must fill them with the hope of revenge and in spite of every effort of hypocrisy our tongue or our face makes confession under the rack of some unexpected anguish as the criminal of old confessed under the hands of the torturer our children he went on to retract the avowal turn at last to be our enemies father victorin began you dare to interrupt your father said the baron in a voice of thunder glaring at his son father listen to me victorin went on in a clear firm voice the voice of a puritanical deputy i know the respect i owe you too well ever to fail in it and you will always find me the most respectful and submissive of sons those who are in the habit of attending the sittings of the chamber will recognize the tactics of parliamentary warfare in these fine-drawn phrases used to calm the factions while gaining time we are far from being your enemies his son went on i have quarrelled with my father-in-law monsieur crevel for having rescued your notes of hand for sixty thousand francs from vauvinet and that money is beyond doubt in madame marneffe's pocket i am not finding fault with you father said he in reply to an impatient gesture of the baron's i simply wish to add my protest to my cousin lisbeth's and to point out to you that though my devotion to you as a father is blind and unlimited my dear father our pecuniary resources unfortunately are very limited money cried the excitable old man dropping on to a chair quite crushed by this argument from my son you shall be repaid your money sir said he rising and he went to the door hector at this cry the baron turned round suddenly showing his wife a face bathed in tears she threw her arms round him with the strength of despair do not leave us thus do not go away in anger i have not said a word not i at this heart-wrung speech the children fell at their father's feet we all love you said hortense lisbeth as rigid as a statue watched the group with a superior smile on her lips just then marshal hulot's voice was heard in the anteroom the family all felt the importance of secrecy and the scene suddenly changed the young people rose and every one tried to hide all traces of emotion a discussion was going on at the door between mariette and a soldier who was so persistent that the cook came in monsieur a regimental quartermaster who says he is just come from algiers insists on seeing you tell him to wait monsieur said mariette to her master in an undertone he told me to tell you privately that it has to do with your uncle there the baron started he believed that the funds had been sent at last which he had been asking for these two months to pay up his bills he left the family party and hurried out to the anteroom you are monsieur le Paron hulot yes your own self my own self the man who had been fumbling meanwhile in the lining of his cap drew out a letter of which the baron hastily broke the seal and read as follows dear nephew far from being able to send you the hundred thousand francs you ask of me 
my present position is not tenable unless you can take some decisive steps to save me we are saddled with a public prosecutor who talks goody and rodomontade's nonsense about the management it is impossible to get the black chokered pump to hold his tongue if the war minister allows civilians to feed out of his hand i am done for i can trust the bearer try to get him promoted he has done us good service do not abandon me to the crows this letter was a thunderbolt the baron could read in it the intestine warfare between civil and military authorities which to this day hampers the government and he was required to invent on the spot some palliative for the difficulty that stared him in the face he desired the soldier to come back next day dismissing him with splendid promises of promotion and he returned to the drawing-room good day and good-bye brother said he to the marshal good-bye children good-bye my dear adeline and what are you going to do lisbeth he asked i i am going to keep house for the marshal for i must end my days doing what i can for one or another of you do not leave valerie till i have seen you again said hulot in his cousin's ear good-bye hortense refractory little puss try to be reasonable i have important business to be attended to at once we will discuss your reconciliation another time now think it over my child said he as he kissed her and he went away so evidently uneasy that his wife and children felt the gravest apprehensions lisbeth said the baroness i must find out what is wrong with hector i never saw him in such a state stay a day or two longer with that woman he tells her everything and we can then learn what has so suddenly upset him be quite easy we will arrange your marriage to the marshal for it is really necessary i shall never forget the courage you have shown this morning said hortense embracing lisbeth you have avenged our poor mother said victorin the marshal looked on with curiosity at all the display of affection lavished on lisbeth who went off to report the scene to valerie this sketch will enable guileless souls to understand what various mischief madame marneffes may do in a family and the means by which they reach poor virtuous wives apparently so far out of their ken and then if we only transfer in fancy such doings to the upper class of society about a throne and if we consider what king's mistresses must have cost them we may estimate the debt owed by a nation to a sovereign who sets the example of a decent and domestic life End of chapter twenty five